0: Killer Bees. What about the Murderous Jays? We've got Joel Jeremy and Joe. That's 3 Jays coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and Murderous Jays.
1: He's blank on Branham. Uh, Houston Rockets didn't enter the All-Star break with the uh, in the best of ways. In fact, so much so that I want them to tank and start playing for some ping-pong balls. Get a top-four pick. Top-four protected. Otherwise, it goes to Oklahoma City. Uh, I-, I was wondering about this, though. You know, kind of watching that game and-, and getting the idea of, hey, maybe it's we're still, you know, a year away. And I know the Rockets had to spend money. And I know that you were critical, especially of the Dylan Brooks yep. contract. I think you kind of understood. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I, I want to say you were okay with the Fred Van Vit contract, if I yep. remember correctly. yep. yep. Yeah, because like, I mean, you can get out
2: of it well, after two years. Right, and the thing was length and money on Dylan Brooks completely, and the, on the Van Vliet one, it made sense short-term, and it was a shorter deal, and it meant you weren't getting James Harden. So
1: from the Van Vliet <laughs> perspective, I was all in. Let's uh, let's look at them one at a time. Yep. Uh, Dylan Brooks is the four-year, $86 million deal. Uh, it it does have reverse escalators slightly like it goes from twenty two six to twenty two two to twenty one one to nineteen nine, which maybe that makes it a little bit easier to trade out of um, because like it lowers the percentage of the cap that he's taking up, which you know I guess that's good. It's good to structure it that way. Um, would the Rockets be in a better spot today though? Going forward, we're talking about the future of the team because. 2023-24 season isn't where the Rockets are hoping to be at their very best. This is still very much a rebuild. This is still very much building for the future. So it's not so much about the rest of this season, the final 28 games. This is about the final 28 games and then maybe the next two, three, four years. Would the Rockets be in better position if they never signed Dylan Brooks?
2: I think so. I absolutely do. because, and It's on a variety of different fronts. One, like I just said, I had a problem with the four years. there's enough incentives in that contract. It can get over ninety or ninety-one mil. I think is as much as it can get to. Uh, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of years, and that's a lot of minutes that you're going to be taking away from a young team. That you, you know, I, I guess you could. You didn't know Cam Whitmore was going to be who Cam Whitmore turned out yeah. to be. But between Cam, Tari Eason, and guys that play the same position. You've got that young nucleus of talent that you want to continue to see and develop. And I think Dylan Brooks, in a lot of ways, is going to be a detriment to that because he's going to start. He's going to demand minutes. He's going to, obviously, for the money he's being paid. uh, There's the organization, too, that's probably going to cater to him a little bit more to try and prove it being a deal that was worthy of being made. I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. It's obviously they did have to spend the money, but then I throw it at you and I say, okay, would, would they have been better off passing on him and giving maybe more money towards a big that would have helped Alpi and be kind of in the situation they're in now? lacking an extra guy up front whether it was Brooke Lopez or somebody else there were other guys out there cuz the market was I don't wasn't think there great. were
1: though like I don't like I remember when they missed out on him, it was like they immediately went to to Jock Landell like I don't think that the market for centers was very good if i remember correctly
2: I think the market overall wasn't great yeah for sure and, and there's no doubt about it. i don't want to you know penalize them for that but would they have been better off passing on Dylan Brooks who let's be honest like no one ever looked at Dylan Brooks and thought he was a max type player or a guy worthy of getting a contract this big for that long, and the Rockets did. And that makes you scratch your temple, too, going, was anybody else in the ballpark offering this guy that kind of money? And I had said it at the time. I I would like to see if there was competition for a deal that big for a dude like that, but, you know, it's what's done is done. If I could go back and do it
1: again, I would love to redo that deal. Yeah, Certainly revisionist history, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's one that I would take back, too. I will credit Stone... For doing the reverse escalator, though, Mm -hmm. because that that is going to make it more tolerable. Now, you can certainly criticize the four-year deal, and you kind of hit on a couple of those points, too. Like, the reason that revisionist history, hindsight 2020, I would like to have this one back – isn't so much about Dylan Brooks; it's more about the emergence of Cam Whitmore. Mm-hmm. Like I want, like if, if Dylan Brooks is playing thirty-two minutes, that means he's taking minutes from Cam Whitmore. That means he's taking minutes from Amin Thompson. You now Tari Eason got hurt, so you can't include him in this conversation. Um, but but I, I like I want the youth movement right now, today. So that's where I would hindsight twenty-twenty. It uh, you are on the hook for multiple years, and you did have to hit the salary floor, but maybe you hit the salary floor by overpaying two, three players on one-year deals. That way they're expirings and you're not committed to it going forward. So you kind of kick the can down the road and when you have these cap savings. So I, I would say a hard yes. We're in agreement there. Uh, yep. revisionist history. It'd be nice to have that Dylan Brooks contract back. And I was more in favor of it at the time than you were. Uh, so that, we'll give you the dub on that one. Uh, the second one, Fred Van Vliet. Three-year, $128.5 million deal. Now the third year is a club option. So it can be a two-year deal if the Rockets want out after next season. Revision is history. Hindsight 2020. Where do you stand on
2: this I'm st- one? I'm still doing this one, Jeremy, and I'm doing it simply because of some of the reasons you mentioned and then a couple that need to factor in, and that is obviously the short deal, the op- the opportunity to get out after two, the fact that he still has a lot of value in this league, and you saw it. Not only is he playing the most minutes, but you know he's still effective doing his job. He can distribute the basketball. He can make shots when he's open. But he we... As a as a fan base watching this team, we needed to see more structure. We needed to see more coaching. And when the coaches can't do it on the floor, we needed someone not James Harden, me me me, but someone that could get the young guys involved as well as do what they needed to do to, to for themselves and for for the team as a whole. Fred VanVleet is that guy. He's the extension of Adoka. He's a guy that's already been there, done that, and won one. To where he got the contract, but he was the ideal veteran guy. And again, let's not. I go back to what I said. He prevented you by getting him from getting James Harden because you <laughs> had to spend money, and that was my biggest fear. I think both of our biggest fear was please don't do that again. But the fact that Fred is a guy that brings stability in the locker room, stability on the floor, still can do num- get numbers and do things. I-, I don't regret. And it's only a two year deal. I think they they will find a market for him if they want to unload and get out before the third year, regardless. But I think yeah. he was the right fit.
1: Yeah, that's the thing is I, I think he might actually have some value. Like I think uh-huh. this offseason is too early to trade him because you're still super young in the backcourt, and I don't think a Min Thompson's ready to take over the range, of the starting point guard uh, full time. Although I wouldn't hate it. Uh, I don't feel like the timing's right this off season, but maybe at the deadline, mm-hmm. and then you know you get creative with that club option that he has. Like you can pick up the option, sign and trade, whatever random things you do. I, I will. I mean, I'll be honest. There are times whenever I wish Fred Van Vliet got less minutes. There are times sure. whenever he's getting 38 minutes a night. He led the NBA in minutes per game for a while. Where I'm like, okay, like, should he be playing 38 or should he be playing 30, 32? And you're giving some extra minutes to a Min Thompson. So I've I've been frustrated with the amount of minutes that Fred Van Vliet gets. So like, I, I haven't been all that positive about the contract. But. You had to give the money, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with it even today. Now, I don't want him to play as many minutes. I wish that they would close the gap a little bit between Van Vliet and Amin Thompson. But I also think you can get some value from it as soon as next next trade deadline.
2: Yeah, ETS2 is exactly why you were thinking that way, which is, no, without question, uh, embrace the suck too. Because yeah. it, it, now that you've gotten past the trade deadline, I think the first half of the season was Odoka obviously trying to surpass the wins of last year and show that this is a whole whole new ball game, uh, top to bottom. Van Vliet was also, they were proving that they made the right decision with a guy that is the perfect fit for what they want to do, how they want to do it, and the kind of player that they want to be their leader out there. But now that you've passed the, the trade deadline, it's okay to say he can play 27, 30 minutes a game. You can give Amen more run now because now it is truly about the development of your roster one through ten, one through eight, one through ten, as opposed to going out and trying to win ball games as we highlighted this week. You just you gotta change your mentality a little bit, whether the coaching staff does or not, but as an organization and being reality and saying even if you get in, you're getting out quick, so you might as well see as much as you can of the young guys and figure out what this team's gonna be for next year.
1: I wonder if we do see a little bit more of that uh, after the All Star break because the men played well. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't even know the timeline on on Van Vliet. Have you heard the timeline on Van Vleet at all?
2: I thought I heard it was shortly after the All Star break, but I don't know that. They, I don't think that he and Tari. I don't think they've pinpointed an exact game or or, or when. The scary part to me, Jeremy, and this is where you're going to look at Udoka, is the fact that Holiday's been playing well in the last couple of games. I don't. I understand that, but he's not in your long term future plans he's not in the plans past this year so I understand he's been playing better But maybe that means you let him go and and hook up with another team that can actually utilize his skills and maybe he has a future with. Because I don't want to see him playing that much after the All-Star break.
1: I mean, that's where Adoka can learn a thing or two from Branham, quite frankly, is that he's going to be trying to win. They shouldn't be trying to win. They should be trying to lose. And how do you lose? Instead of playing holiday, you give a couple more minutes to Jalen Green, uh, who's not that great. Uh, 3311, Tillman needs to take a page out of Crane's book, open up that checkbook, and get a good veteran to lead the kids on and off the court. Isn't that what he did? That's what he tried to do. You know what he did? I mean, Fred I think Van Vliet's that guy. I think yeah. Brooks is. I think Brooks actually is a better leader than we give him credit for because his on-court demeanor is weird. Right. I actually think he's pretty respected in the locker room. I, you're right about that.
2: I, I've actually spoken to people about that, and behind the scenes, they say he is a great dude. He is a loyal teammate, and he not that he's a, a you know bona fide leader per se, but he is a guy that has the back of his his teammates, and that's great. The encore antics is just an extra thing that you don't need. You, you, it's fine if you want to go support and, and stick up for one of your teammates, but when you instigate it and you do it a lot, eh, it's a bit much.
1: Yeah, seven one three seven eight zero ESPN P listener line. So we're on the uh, we're on the same page. We wish we would have had back the Dylan Brooks contract. And then Fred Van Vliet. And you can get creative on how you spend the money. Like, if you're still not at the salary floor, okay, we'll give Jeff Green $20 million. I'm, being, I'm kidding a little bit. But just sign the best free agent that you can for one year. And even if you trade that guy at the trade deadline, like, okay, well, now you use your money wisely. Like, you use your, your money to, you know, create players in the future, which mm-hmm. I think is better option than Dylan Brooks for the next three years.
2: Yeah. Look, I I think there is. I think there were other options. I know you had to spend money somehow. You could have signed maybe a slightly better player on still a short deal, gotten kind of the things that you needed for the now, for the this year and maybe next year. But you didn't have to do and make the commitment both in years and money that you did to a guy like Dylan Brooks,
1: who in my mind just wasn't going to live up to that contract no matter what he did. Dizzle, are you guys watching the NBA as much you as you have in the past? I just don't feel like the storylines are there anymore. They don't really hate each other anymore, uh, unless you're Draymond Green. Uh, between AAU and frequent trades, they cross paths more often. It, it, it can be a tough product to watch.
2: Obviously, I'm a diehard. I've always been dedicated to the league, and I do watch. I still watch a lot of games, and I scan the league and see what's on. But I can totally understand those that can't do it anymore or are turned off by it or just don't like the product that's out there because there's not a whole lot of solid basketball being played by good teams in this league. There's maybe 10 teams or less that you can focus on that play the the right way that that put out an enjoyable
1: product. I watch very little non-Rocket basketball uh, this time of year, just too busy. Now, I make it a point to watch the Rockets. I've watched the Rockets more this year than I've watched since they were a playoff team. Um, just because they, they're they well-coached. I like the young players, or at least they have a chance. Uh, so I, my rocket intake is up. My NBA intake's probably been where it's been the last several years, which is down from where it's been about seven years ago. Uh, Wouldn't
2: you say that they're watchable this year? Because in the past, yeah. it was tough to watch.
1: Yeah, I think – I mean, I, they just, they're a real NBA team now. Mm-hmm. Like, even if they're not quite top ten in the Western Conference, like they're currently 12th, like they're competitive most nights. And some nights in the NBA – like, we give them we, – we give them – we crush them whenever they lay an egg like Memphis. Every NBA team is going to do that ten times a year. Huh. It's just the nature of the business. Milwaukee
2: just did it to Memphis last night. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it happens. That is – that's exactly right. The reality that fans hate to, to, to digest is these guys – there are certain times of the year you can predict it on the calendar. They're going to mail it in a couple of times, and it sucks, but it's true.
1: Samson, who coached in the NBA, says there's, there's 10 games each year that you're just going to win. Like, you're just going to play over your head, and you're just going to win. And there's 10 games that you're going to lose every year. Like, you're just, it's just going to happen. It's what you do with the other 62.
2: It's a booby trap, literally, yeah. when you're in Miami, but also <laughs> right there around the All-Star break.
1: HRMP listener line. Let's make mock drafts great again. How are we making mock drafts great again? And how are we making the Texans better? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.
0: Welcome back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. Killer Bees are also known as Africanized Bees. And we all know. There's nothing Africanized about these two guys. It's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham.
1: Three percent, which is more of the vote than Graham Barton got yesterday. Uh, Making mock drafts great again. He's Blank. I'm Branham. Ocho says the NBA is bad word. Next topic. One, three, one, seven. My life shattered today when I realized Joel Blank was white. All this time, I thought you was black, dude. Three exclamation marks. Who said that?
2: Oh, text. Okay, uh, that's the first time I've heard that one. Barry Laminac used to get that a lot.
1: I feel like a lot of people think my co-hosts are black. Oh. I used to get that with the Baytown Batty. People would think he was black for some reason.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Understand that one.
1: I don't either like (laughs) I I, I don't see it Uh, anyways let's make mock drafts great again yesterday we were open this up to the uh, the listeners by the way you want to play along with this game We're, we're posting it on a poll each and every day so you can get in and vote for who you would take yesterday we had Jerzon Newton, Marius Mims, Cooper DeGene, and Graham Barton. Jerzon Newton won the vote 51% so it was unanimous. Us three And the voters uh, all wanted Jerzon Newton. Cooper Dejean got 34%. Mims got 13%. I don't know who you guys are that want to tackle. And poor Graham Barton got less than 2%. Unbelievable. Less than 2% for Graham Barton. All right, so today uh, we're looking at the mock draft NFL.com's Dan Parr for the course. Uh, Number one, he had Caleb Williams, Chicago. No surprise. Washington goes with Drake May at two. Marvin Harrison up a spot to number three. So the Patriots don't go quarterback. Instead, they go Marvin Harrison Jr. at three. He projects a trade. Falcons move up to number four. They select Jaden Daniels. Chargers go Joe Alt, uh, the tackle from Notre Dame. Giants, Malik Neighbors from LSU. Tennessee goes with a Lumawa Fashuna. A it with conviction. Uh, offensive tackle from Penn State. Arizona, who traded down. They get Roma Dunze at number eight. That's a pretty good trade for Arizona. You, mm-hmm. you trade down because Air Harrison goes three. You get the top three receiver in the draft, and then you add you know, future draft capital. That helps. No doubt. Uh, I don't mind that trade for Arizona. Uh, number 9, Chicago. They go Dallas Turner, the edge. How do you feel about that, Joe?
2: Yeah, Joe, seriously, I don't know that that's the right fit.
3: Uh, I think it's a good pick. I, I still kind of like the idea of going Caleb and then receiver if it's there, but putting someone opposite of Montez Sweat makes a lot of sense. So. I
1: guess if three receivers go before nine, like – uh, takes you out of the receivers a little bit. Yes,
3: yeah, so like you would either have to trade back, or and I don't think they're in the Brock Bowers game because of Cole Komet. So I think uh, I think Dallas Turner makes sense there. Honestly, I wouldn't be
1: in the Brock Bowers game anymore either with that terrible picture of him. <laughs> the uh, the khakis, yeah, I've the had khakis a, in waiting. I've had a I've had a draft crush on Brock Bowers for two years that was ruined by one picture. Uh, number 10, the Raiders, they they actually trade up and go J.J. McCarthy in this one. Scroll on down. Houston Texans are on the clock. They select Nate Wiggins, corner from Clemson. If Nate Wiggins is the pick, are you okay with that?
2: Yeah, I am. Because, again, it, it, again there's the ramifications, and it, it's basically what it's telling you the other message in this whole scenario, which is that with free agency before the draft, you're going to know what their plan is and or was with guys like Grenard and Stevie Nelson. And if Stevie Nelson's gone and you have to replace Stevie Nelson and we know how many starters they have to replace and how much money that they have to balance and the fact that you're plugging in a corner that's probably going to be plug and play from day one and fill the role of Stevie Nelson, be the bookend long-term for Stingley, then it makes sense to me and I can live with it because it's a a necessity pick over kind of a luxury pick. And, And that's why I'm so against another offensive lineman in that position.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. We've, I mean, we've, we've discussed the offensive lineman stuff. the yeah. The opportunity cost. I, I, I hear you on the opportunity cost because if you're going offensive lineman instead of corner, instead of defensive end, blah, 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 blah. Now, you know what you do in free agencies. What could impact this? You know, if you if you bring back Nelson, you bring back Grenard, which I, I frankly don't think that that's very possible. I think bringing back both of those guys is probably less than ten percent. Where would you have it? Grenard, Nelson, re sign with the Texans before draft day. I have it. I have it at less than 10%.
2: I'm with you. It's definitely a single-digit number, in my opinion, simply because of the fact that both guys, I think, are trying to break the bank. I think Stevie Nelson's been around the block a few times, and he knows this might be his last time to cash in and get multiple years. And Grenard's a guy that, you know, had his best season at a time when he hits the market, and he bet on himself. He's betting on himself, and I think he's betting that he's getting a big bag.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't mind the Nate Wiggins pick. Um, you know, Lance has him as a year one starter. He has him as a 6.73 grade, which is higher than some of the guys uh, that we've talked about these last couple of days. Uh, Playing the game, how would you feel about Nate Wiggins at 23 if he's ultimately the selection, Joe?
3: I think it's a good pick. I think it makes a lot of sense. I'm at like a 2% chance that both those guys are 2%. back. So I just it doesn't seem logical that Nelson and Grenard are going to be there. I know I know Nelson started a podcast. Uh, and he kind of backtracked a little bit, just trying to be like, oh, I didn't think it was going to go so viral when I posted the vest and I didn't even yeah. say his name. Well, he didn't sound anything like that. I listened to the podcast, <laughs> and he didn't, sound like, he didn't sound anything like that. Um, but I think Wiggins makes a lot of sense. Like, I think what Lance is a day-one starter. Yeah. So I, I think like it's a fine pick, and it does feel like corner, the way these mocks are looking. If, they're, if most of these people are right, the best position available at
1: 23 is going to be corner, I think. And you have some options there uh, at corner too. Um, the, the Nelson the, the Nelson thing was weird. I, it was somebody else's podcast, but I think he might have started his own podcast recently too. On top of that, um, he talked about how there was like some sort of agreement between he and Casario that they were going to bump him up, and like he was sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting, and he got frustrated with the timing of it. Um, which, I mean, it was kind of weird. Anyways, let's let's do our, our game here. So Nate Wiggins, 23. This mock has Graham Barton. We're getting we get a pick between Graham Barton, or Graham Barton again. Uh, the Duke interior offensive lineman at 24. Cooper DeGene goes 25 to Green Bay, Iowa corner. And Chop Robinson, number 26 pick, the edge from Penn State. So you got the option with Wiggins, Barton, DeGene, and Robinson. Which of the four are you taking? So I'm going Chop
2: Robinson because I think that, in my mind, I think both of those guys that we talked about are gone. I think Grenard is gone, and I don't want to pay him, as I said yesterday, anything around 20-plus that he's looking for, and I definitely don't want to pay Stevie Nelson what he's looking for. So if I'm looking to replace guys, and I also, again, in the back of my mind, I hear D'Amico talking about improving the defensive line. You need a guy to replace Grenard on the other side of Will Anderson, and you get Chop Robinson. I think you can still draft. An interior defensive lineman. It looks like some of the the names and D linemen in, are going to slide to the second round, where you could possibly still get them. I think you could get a corner that's serviceable in the in free agency. It doesn't have to be the top of the list corners that are going to be out there and available, but I think that you can replace a corner cheaper than you could for some of the to get some of the guys that that you're trying to resign and or that are going to be out there at other positions like pass rusher. And I think you make your overall defense better. So I'm going to go chop Robinson. I'm going to I'm going to trust that they can either get a corner in free agency, and or and they can still use the, like their second round pick. I think that you know Sweat and guys like that are going to slide. And I think that you might even be able to get a defensive lineman in the second round.
1: Yeah, I'm going to cop out on this. Uh, if you bring back John Grenard, give me the corner, Nate Wiggins. Sure. If you bring back Nelson and not Grenard, give me Chop Robinson. For the sake of the exercise, let's say both are gone. Uh, because now, now you really have the question, and I think that's what you ultimately did. You, you were kind of acting like both of them were gone. Yep. Um, this one's tough for me. I, I wouldn't be mad at any four of these. For the record, Wiggins the pick, cool. Barton's the pick, cool. I can get on board with that. It means that you're out on Kenyon Green, though. Uh, DeGene, cool. Chop Robinson, cool. So I can get on board with any of these four. I'm going to eliminate Barton, though, because of the opportunity cost. Like I feel like your holes are bigger outside of interior offensive line if Grenard and Nelson are gone. I'm also going to cross off DeGene. Uh, lateral movement—not something that uh, you know—I want my corner to lack. So it's between Chop Robinson and Nate Wiggins for me. Uh, Lance has them both as year one starters. He has their prospect grades very, very similar. Six seven three for Nate Wiggins, six seven zero for Chop Robinson. I value the defensive end more than I value the cornerback. Give me Chop Robinson. You are a Houston Texan. Blankers and I are in agreement. Joe,
3: what do you say? We are unanimous. Uh, even though That's I like the second day in a row, I know. I think I, I like, like this. I think I like Nate Wiggins, but should I go against you guys? Uh, I just think that pass rusher is more important, like you said, Jeremy. And, and Chop is a guy that, like, I thought he was very good in the Big Ten. And even though, like, this specific draft profile gets me really excited for Nate Wiggins because mm-hmm. uh, it says that at least one scout views Wiggins as a better prospect than uh, Devin Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. Like Sheesh. that, ex- that excites me. If that one scout is right, then Wiggins should be going in the top ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at, for this one, I'll stick with Chop just because I think you need that dominant guy as well across from Will Anderson.
2: And I think okay. you could find another Stevie Anderson in free agency I mean, uh, Stevie Nelson in free agency, not not Snead, not what your Bears guy Johnson, not the the top of the top of the pay scale. Yeah. But you can find another Stevie Nelson that may be a little younger to replace a corner as opposed to a pass rusher. is probably going to cost you a lot more.
1: Or, or if corners corner is deep, maybe you can find one in the second round yeah. too. Uh, the, the National Scout, I'm starting to wonder about these National Scouts because the National Scout on Chop Robinson, I get the comparison to Micah Parsons, but I think Parsons was a little more polished as a football player when he came out. Chop is still a little green. NFC National Scout. These National Scouts are blowing up these prospects. They're gassing them up. Yeah,
3: but Devin Witherspoon is a fine comparison in terms of like lofty expectations. Comparing someone to Micah Parsons is a joke.
1: I think I think they're both lofty here. I, I mean, they're, they're lofty, lofty, but one is way loftier than the other. There's not many things that I hate more than draft comps because every draft comp is an is like a Pro Bowler or an All Star. Every single one. Who does this random guy who's going to be a fourth round draft pick remind you of? Oh, Marshall Falk. Like it's, every it does it never fails. Like they're. The comp is always better than the prospect. And it's always a crapshoot. 95% of the time. Right? The fact that we've... I always say
2: in the the NBA, it's become a complete crapshoot based on uh, potential. But even in the NFL, I mean, look at what we had on Bad Take Boulevard with all the different bad takes on Patrick Mahomes. Because as much as you want to think you know and have figured it all out, and Lance does a boatload of work every single year on this, Eh. it's one thing to evaluate their talent, but then when you have to try and make a comp, it's unfair around the board, across the board, because it's unfair to the kid to try and live up to that expectation. And, and it's 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 actually a little disrespectful if, as Granato would say, it's a little disrespectful if uh, you're saying a guy that you know ends up being a Hall of Famer or a multiple-time Pro Bowler, and they, that this kid's going to be you. They got to prove
1: it. The uh, the voters so far: uh, Chop Robinson, 39 percent of the vote; Wiggins, 34; DeGene, 21; and poor Graham Barton. It's been our whooping <laughs> boy, five percent. Uh, for Graham Barton. All right, 713-780-3776. Who would you take of those four? Wiggins, Barton, DeGene, Robinson. You can vote on it at uh, Jeremy Branham on Twitter as well. Bush League or not? 713-780-3776. I just gave away our will a bit. Uh, Bush League or not? couple of things that are Bush League or not. What do you think? It's Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.
0: It's the Killer Bees, and that means you have no idea what's happening next. Could it be the next great food debate? A Jill rant for the ages? An extra bad take from Joe? Or maybe Jeremy will call for a bounty gate on someone? Well, let's find out. It's time for the Wheel of Bits. Oh, my goodness, would you look at this? What an enormous fit.
2: It's time for Bush League or
1: not. As a Brit, I, I, I screwed it up. That's my bad. I, I spoiled the Willow Bit today. We, we take great pride in Will You never know what you're going to get. It's a great surprise, just like the normal Price is Right. You just never know. You never know. Well, I spoiled it today. That's my bad. Bush League or not. What is Bush League or not today, Joe George? Uh, Today, Bush
3: League or not. Sorry, i got to pull up my rundown here. I was having a conversation with Brian McDonald. My bad, Jeremy Branham. It's okay. Um, The Chronicle put out this article uh, off the Jim Crane uh, interview. They also had one. And there's a quote in there about Yiner Diaz. And they put out this headline. It said, Astros owner Jim Crane laments Yiner Diaz staying on the bench in 2023. Now, when you read the article... The only quote that's in here about that, it says uh, Jim Crane said, we've got a backup catcher talking about Victor Caratini. We're going to play our younger catcher a lot. He didn't get a lot of action this past season. So is this a Bush League headline?
1: This was the Paper City article from earlier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we think we're in good shape. Uh, We've got a backup catcher. We're going to play our young catcher a lot. He didn't get a lot of action uh, this past season. It says that he lamented. Yiner's Diaz is benching. Actually, I don't know if he got benched. That, that kind of makes it seem like he got benched. No. And then it says Houston's owner seemed displeased with the young catcher being sidelined from starting. Bush league or not, is a misleading headline here?
2: I don't really think it is. I think that obvious. Obviously, he says in the article that he would like to have seen. Him. I think in the article, it's it's you like everybody would like to have seen him more. We knew that. That was you know. A, 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 Conversation A going down the stretch was we need to see him more and and he had the tweet the time with his palms raised to the air emoji uh, basically after everybody was getting into it because he wanted to play more after Dusty said he's going to thank me later in his career for what ha- what I did this year I, I I think that's a bunch of BS but I think we did see him we saw him in the playoffs you know we we have liked to have seen him more yes could Crane be a little irritated by it sure but do I think I, I
1: don't I, I've seen a lot worse headlines. I, I think that this is uh, – I think it's super misleading, quite honestly. I mean, if you, you read the quote, he says, we, we, we're going to play our young catcher a lot. He didn't get a lot of action this past season. Like, that to me doesn't – like, I can – certainly that's like the fans, like, would say, well, you know, he didn't get a lot of action this past season, and that was a huge mistake. Like, usually there's something else after that, right? Like, if it was like if it was us talking about it, he, Yiner, didn't get a lot of action this past season – and it cost the Astros wins, and it prevented him from having a huge season. Like, that, to me, is more lamenting. But stopping right there, like, he didn't say anything negative. He didn't take a shot at, like, Dusty. He didn't take a shot at Maldi. He didn't even say that Yoners should play more. He says, we're going to play our young catcher a lot. He didn't say that he should have played more last year. He says, he's, we're going to play him a lot this year. He didn't get a lot of action this past season. I, that, that to me, does not read as a lament, and it doesn't necessarily – like. You know, maybe tone matters here. Yeah, but this guy didn't know the tone because See, it was in a paper city article, and this guy's writing for the Cron, so he didn't hear the tone. That doesn't sound like a lament to me. It doesn't sound like he was displeased. He I mean, might have been, but I can't. I don't know how you take that from just that quote. Here's here's where
2: I was thinking about it too. Is the fact that if the guy who wrote the article writes the headline, and like you said, it's two different services. Right. So that's a, that's a big key. But even even still, the paper always has headline writers. And the and they're different than who writes the actual article in a lot of ways, and I don't know if that's still the case, but I, I think that has been the norm. And, and at the same, and it, it could be one thing, if true, because it's one thing if the if the guy who wrote the article could sense that tone and maybe had some off the record kind of yep. co- conversations to where you can really. Strongly, that you, you could back that comment. But if it's coming from a different source that wasn't the source that got the interview, yeah. now you're right.
1: It's like two sources removed. Yeah. Like if you have somebody else writing the headline and writing the subheadline for Kron, who is like basically aggregating this story on something that was in Paper City, like the quote was given in a one on one with Paper City. And then the Kron took that quote from Paper City, didn't have any idea of the you know, the tone of the quote, and all of a sudden he's complaining because he says he didn't get a lot of action this past season? That's 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 a fact. He didn't get a lot of action this past season. He's not saying it in a negative way if you read it just solely on the quote, and this guy is reading it just solely on the quote because he wasn't there in the one on one. Yeah, this is this
2: is more This is and everybody's looking for clicks these days, but this is more of the norm for like is it Yahoo Sports that always does this, where Yahoo Sports always puts out like if the Astros sign cabbage, and all of a sudden the headline is Astros sign key bat and piece (laughs) to add to uh, a chase for championship, and everybody's like oh, and then you go, it's a cabbage, it's a vegetable. I think you're. I think this
1: was a clickbait. Yeah. I think it was a clickbait. And if it's clickbait, it's bush league to me. It is bush league. You, Absolutely. You, you throw a word like lament and displeased. No, I don't. He just gave you a factual quote. Bush league. What else you got for us, Joe? All right. This is
3: got. It's a, this one's about me. Okay. Yeah. I have a question. This is a bush league take.
2: But but since you're the king of bush league, did
1: you say that that was bush league?
3: Oh, it's definitely bush league. Okay. It's a terror it's a terrible quote. Like it, it is a terrible headline. He's lamenting, right? No, there's no lamenting in it. Like it, it's just he's just stating a fact that he didn't play much last year and he's going to play a lot this year. Uh so this is my 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 take that might be bush league. Okay, I am worried I've red flags about CJ Stroud. Oh boy. Because he's going home with Amber Rose. Because Deshaun Watson is going on podcasts and talking about how he talks to C.J. Stroud and gives him advice. Ooh. And Johnny Menzel last night after the Cactus ja- or before the Cactus Jack softball game thing that C.J. was in, Johnny Manziel said the same thing. So he's known C.J. Stroud for a long time, and he calls and gives him advice. I don't like these people he's going home with and he's getting advice from. <laughs> I feel like an old man right I mean, now telling my son now- to stay away from bad people.
2: Now, if you heard the rest of it, because I heard the quote. They played it earlier today on the show, one of the shows, on our station. And I'm sitting there going, oh, no, Johnny Menzel. And then he goes, not that he's needed me for any advice yet. I'm like, okay, whoo, exhale. All right, that's better.
3: The one part of this where, like, I know part of my take is League because I almost don't know if I believe either Deshaun or Johnny about what they're spinning. But, like, it's just there's two guys that are saying they talk to C.J. Stroud, they give advice if he wants it. They're there for him. He's going over the Amber Rose. I'm like, I don't like his circle. The Kardashians at the Super Bowl. I don't, I don't know if I like C.J.
1: Stroud's inner circle, it seems. I'm I think not, you can, I think you can get away with a Jenner without the, rather than a Kardashian. Yeah. I don't feel like the Jenners are the ones that are cursed. No, because one the of them dated
2: Devin Booker, and Devin yeah. Booker's a fine individual, and he's a hell of a player. That's fine. I, I think that when you look at it, though, to Joe's point, when you start trying to dissect this, well, thankfully, the the connection I can make to try and buffer this a little bit is with Deshaun is they have the same agent. So hopefully it's just mm-hmm. same agent, Guy that's been through the the ringer.
3: Yeah, but don't you remember? Like I saw Lamont tweeting this earlier when all the Amber Rose start stuff started happening. Remember when he when Deshaun Watson all of a sudden there was this random video of him dunking on Mia Khalifa uh-huh. and yeah. they were like they were just hanging out in a kitchen? Everyone's like, Oh, it's this Sean, like it's no big
2: deal, he's a good kid.
3: Well, yeah. look what happened.
1: Yeah, I actually, I, I, actually I said that was a red flag at the time uh, over on the other station. They weren't very happy. We tried to me. get
2: Mia Khalifa on after that, but it wasn't as easy as we thought it was gonna be.
1: Uh but from the standpoint of Johnny Manziel,
2: I think he was uh, – That's what was supposed to mean. Uh, you, you can read with it what you will. But uh, but when with the Johnny Manziel part of it, I think he's trying to stay relevant. Because when you listen to his quotes, and part of that quote was, I just really appreciate the invite. Johnny Manziel has always been me, 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 and and ego-driven. And all of a sudden, he was humble, and the humility was, I really appreciate being included in this, and, and the fact that they invited me, and it's awesome. And then when he got into that, even, it was almost like, at a certain point, in his own mind, he caught himself going too far, going,
1: not that he actually asked me for any advice yet, but yeah. I'm here for him. Now, you are the company that you keep. That's something – that's a kind of a mantra that I live by. You are the company that you keep. So, like, the, the thing with Deshaun, they have the same agent. Like, you trade texts with yeah. people. Like, people text me, hey, you should do this. Okay, well, cool. Like, Cool that you text me that. I'm not going to listen because I don't care about your opinion. Uh, same thing with Johnny Manziel. I didn't know the second part where Manziel said that he hasn't asked me for advice yet. Same thing. Like I don't care if people give me advice. I'm not going to take advice from people I don't care about their opinion. So like that stuff doesn't really matter to me. The Amber Heard thing, Rose. Sorry, Amber Rose. Amber Heard was the uh, that would Johnny be Death worse. Guy. To be honest. Who's Amber Heard? Amber Heard was the one? Johnny Depp guy. Yeah. Oh, oh right, right, right. Or gal, not guy. Um, <laughs> this one concerns me a little bit. Like Amber Rose had the she she had the thing with Kanye, right? She had the thing with Harden briefly. She I didn't she dated Harden. Oh, too? we had her at, at Rockets games courtside. I didn't know she dated Harden. So she dated Harden. She had a thing with Kanye. I think she was married to a little with uh, Wiz Khalifa for a little bit. That sounds. So like she's got. Quite the list, and she's also forty years old. Yeah, and our quarterback's what, twenty-one, twenty-two? Like, is she trying to exploit C.J. Stroud here? Is she is she taking advantage of an impressionable young man? Listen. I wonder that. I don't. I don't love the Amber Rose aspects of this. the The Deshaun thing, whatever. They're texting. Stroud can choose to ignore them. Same thing with Manziel. I didn't love seeing Stroud take Amber Rose into his car after he won the MVP at the Cactus Jack thing.
2: He's, he's from here. He's got a car. She needed a lift. Let's let's try and look at the bright Maybe. side of this, okay? We don't know. We it's don't know. CJ. I mean, look. What, what's the difference between Jalen Green and his potential? I guess baby mama. That isn't there a huge age, age difference there too? I think it's oh. about the same
1: amount of years. Jalen Green. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's scary. I think it's about the same. Well, I, th- I think that, I hope that matures Jalen Green. Uh, we said that,
2: but I don't need any more maturity on C.J. Stroud. No. He's with his mom. His mom gives him good guidance. He's playing great. The, the last thing we need is C.J. Stroud to, to get the, the Kardashian 15 and the curse, and he comes in fat, and he doesn't play like Harden did. And I, I don't need any of that from him. Just like I don't need him playing in these celebrity basketball games. Yeah. Stay away from trouble.
1: Uh, somebody texted said that he was also she she was also involved with 21 Savage. I didn't realize that. I like his music, but I didn't realize that five nine one two CJ was seen with Amber Rose after the celebrity softball game. No, all capital letters and about seven exclamation marks, and then zero eight three eight takes the opposite approach, says that he won after the game as well. So I guess it depends on who you ask when it comes to uh, to Amber Rose. I don't know how this is good. All I care about is how CJ Stroud performs with the Houston Texans. I think
2: she's got a reality TV show too. Still, I think
1: she 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 still have one. I know that she probably. I, th- I think that she used to. Yeah, and I
2: think. I want to say that she still has one because I want to no.
1: I hope this is not good. Yeah, I don't like it. This is not good. The the off season for CJ Stroud's off to a terrible terrible start. Oh
2: no, he won the MVP.
1: He did. But then what he was seen after the game with her. Oh, so we don't know. know when their relationship started. Maybe Who's she saw go the home trophy. With
2: <sighs> Joseph
3: what? I'm just saying.
2: Joseph, Joseph. He's going to win
3: another MVP. He's going to drop 30 on Micah Parsons and Puka. I think Puka's on the other team as well. And it's going to be great.
2: Hopefully
1: it's he's a NBA this.
2: All-Star weekend, Joseph. Hopefully he can compartmentalize. Hopefully he can compartmentalize. Ooh, Maybe he's Jeter. Boy. Maybe he's Jeter. That'd be great. Maybe he's Jeter. Jeter. Most clutch player ever. Jeter and Kobe would be great to be compared to. James eh, Harden's dating eh, Kobe. I mean, Kobe was married, though. <laughs> Yeah, but what we're talking about, we we're talking about his work ethic earlier. And his I thought we were talking about their compartmentalization. Yeah, no, yeah, no I'm not. Yeah, what, what what's going in compartments is not part of it. I'm just saying, I, I I'm going to compare him to Kobe and Jeter from a winning and that drive perspective. I don't want the drive of Slim Jim and the dating prowess
1: of things we've already been yeah, through in this city. I got my, I got my eyes on this. This, isn't, I this don't is like something it. that has my attention. alright three seven eight zero 713-780-ESPN. Bush League or not, uh, Joe's take on he's a little concerned about the company that C.J. Stroud is keeping. What other sport in the world can the 300th player in the world spike viewership so much? It's so Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before
2: we go to the break, tell you about the newest and greatest golf spot that I found. It's X-Golf and Katie. X-Golf and Katie is the real deal. It is absolutely phenomenal, and you're going to love it if you're a golf fan. You can love it even if you're not because it's like a sports bar. It's absolutely fantastic, and, and they've got tons of screens, and they got all your favorite uh, libations, and, and you're going to love every single thing about it. But now, look, if you're a golfer, it is the end-all be-all that I've seen. It is absolutely phenomenal because it's the best golf simulators I've ever been on. The fact that you can putt. And it's really an accurate way to judge how you putt. You can practice chipping. You can play over 50 courses worldwide. It's absolutely phenomenal. You can use your own golf balls if you want to actually really hone in on the touch and the feel of the swing. And it's going to chart everything, the spin of the ball, the distance, all the great things that simulators do. They have the the ability for you to have parties there. You can have birthday parties and gatherings and celebrations. They have a, a back room you can reserve for ultimate privacy with one of the simulators, or you can just get the simulators like you like everybody else does by being there. You can get fitted for clubs. It's a phenomenal spot. You've been there once, if you go there once you're going to be there a lot more because I'm hooked already. Check them out today. We're going to be there next Friday by the way on a remote where you can check it out as well. X Golf is the newest, latest and greatest in golf in Houston and you got to check it out. It's at 99 and I10 in Katy and it is absolutely phenomenal. Check out X Golf online today.
0: Back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 975. The show name is a reference to how many great Astros last name begin with the letter B, who were playing back in the 90s when they were not winning World Series. Bagwell, Biggio, Barry, Bell, and eventually Berkman. You might not remember Barry and Bell, but trust me, you'll remember Blank and Brenham. Here they are now, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios.
1: He's blank. I'm Branham. We are the Killer Beasts on ESPN 97. five, ESPN 92.5, 713-780, ESPN HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Few texts on Amber Rose and uh, CJ Stroud. Ocho says that Amber Rose was kicked off College Hill, celebrity edition for fighting Joseline Hernandez. I've never heard of that show.
2: Me either, and I've never heard of Joseline Hernandez.
1: Oh, yeah, Me either. I'm kind of, I mean, I watch a little reality TV. I dabble in the reality TV my, my wife forces me to watch. I've never heard of that oh, one. Yeah, you both do. Yeah, uh, I mean, happy wife, happy life. Uh, CJ is a grown-up. Do you really think he cares about three guys on ESPN's opinion? He is 21 living his best life. I certainly hope so. I mean, we're the beacon of wisdom. Like, on this show, everybody should listen we are to us. If you voice listen to us, then people you're, – you're much smarter. Uh, you're much smarter. If you listen to us, you're smarter. You make better decisions. Uh, people like you more.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. Like, at the same time, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that we're looking out for his best interest. Whether he listens to us or not, we care enough that we're trying to look out for him.
1: Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Uh, ESP. we We're looking out for his best interest. And in turn, when we're looking out for his best interest – We're looking out for your best interest, if you are a fan of the Houston Texans. Uh, What other sport in the world can the 100th, actually, eh, let's just go 300th player in the world, uh, spike viewership so much? Tiger Woods was playing in the Genesis, which Tiger Woods withdrew from the tournament today, uh, citing illness, which is probably good news. Like If he was withdrawing from the tournament, which is the best reason for his future as to why? Illness, because, I mean, you can't avoid illness. Now, if it was leg, okay, that's not great. Or back. Yesterday he yeah. had back spasms. Yeah, just like an element. Or, he had back spasms yesterday?
2: That's what he blamed the shank on 18 on was the fact that oh, yeah, uh, 17 and 18, he was having reoccurring back spasms, and it spasmed, causing him to shank.
1: That's what I say whenever I hit bad shots, too. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my back spasm. Where did it hurt? Uh, all over. Spinal. Spinal. Um. So he withdrew today. Illness. That's that's good news, I guess, uh, because it's not like you said a spasm or a leg or something like that. But I, I saw that the viewers, the viewership numbers were sky, you know, sky high. They went through the roof with Tiger playing. The bets on the Genes- on the uh the Riviera, the Genesis Invitational, mm-hmm. they went up. The golf courses Riviera, they went up tremendously. Like there was more bets on this tournament by far than any other tournament this year. What other sport in the world can the 300th best player in that sport spike viewership in the way that Tiger Woods does? Well, I'll give you
2: the answer that's not reality. But the 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 answer is is that if Michael Jordan ever decided to play again, no matter how old and how bad he was, everybody would be watching. And LeBron probably has some of that cachet, but LeBron's still really good at his age it's it's tough to say with the quote unquote rankings because different sports are obviously different. Yeah. But th- we all know there's nothing close to Tiger. I mean, huh. I think all three of us, even Joe who's not an avid golfer, is dialed in when Tiger's playing and and you it's must-see TV.
1: I can't call myself an avid golfer. I I like it. I just I'm not avid. I don't play. I, I yeah, I don't have the time <laughs> yeah, to play I anymore. I, I love it. I can't call myself an avid golfer. Um I see Jordan's interesting to me cuz like would 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 it really Like he did come out of retirement, you know, but he was he was still really good. I mean, he wasn't the 300th best player in the league. He was much higher than that. Like, does he spike viewership that much when he came back for the Wizards over what they were normally getting? I don't remember.
2: So the first time he came back, remember he 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 wore 45 and played for the Bulls, and that was right before the playoffs, and that threw everything through the roof. That was
1: many more the Wizard whenever you.
2: Yeah, and then when he made the the, ultimate, yeah, even when he made the the ultimate comeback to the Wizards, then. People were still paying close attention, and there were those glimpses of brilliance. Like, there was the the big night. I think he had a big night in the Garden one last time. He had, like, a 40-point game, I think, at least once or twice, where everybody was like, he's still MJ. I got to see MJ. Is MJ playing tonight? And he was – that team was bad, but because MJ was playing, he was on TNT. He was on, you know, the game of the week because everybody had to still see Michael
1: yeah that that's probably that's probably a good one. I mean he averaged twenty in both of those those years too, so he' was still at least scoring and that's back when twenty meant something yep. uh, that wasn't like nowadays where 20 is just you know twenty um the The answer that I had was uh is Mike Tyson whenever Mike Tyson late in his career you know, at, this is after, you know, if, he was pretty good when he got out of prison, like didn't necessarily beat anybody. But when he got out of prison, he was still fine. And then he had the big price fights with Holyfield. He had, you know, he had two of them. He had the fight with Lennox Lewis, never beat any of them. But I'm talking about like when he was late, when he was fighting like the McBride, like this is whenever he got like the tattoo mm-hmm. around his eye. Mm-hmm. People were still tuning in to see if Mike Tyson was a going to be Mike Tyson again or B do something crazy, like bite somebody's ear yeah. off. So like I because Mike Tyson. Tyson, late in his career, was was not very good. Middle-of-the-pack fighter at best. I mean, he was losing to some just tomato cans. I would say Mike Tyson had that kind of effect.
2: He did because of the fact that, you're right, whether you wanted to see him finally kind of figure out the the greatness we all thought that he had in him to whether he was going to continue to be the car wreck that we had gotten to know, everybody had to see how is this, what's the next chapter going to play out like. How's this all going to end? And so everybody had to see it. And he was, because we always talk about it, like from this, if you just look at his career achievements, he's not even close to being in the consideration for the greatest of all time or one of the greatest of all time. But when he was at his peak, when he was rising and everybody was watching everything that he did and, and his story you you had to see Tyson when he stepped in the ring and you also knew if you blinked it might be over which is another reason why cuz people love fights
1: yeah. that they had to see it. But you can only talk about the last couple though because like he was he was one of the best whenever he was coming up. Like this isn't this is Tiger now. Like who is very mediocre at that at their sport but still is mm-hmm. going to pull ratings and viewership and engagements more than literally anybody else. Uh, someone texted and said Mario Andretti. Like, I, I don't know the, I don't that know game that enough, enough to, to know if that is the case. Like, it would probably have to be an individual sport. Like, maybe Serena, maybe Serena Williams can. If do she it? comes
2: back and she's one short, that that would be a pretty big storyline that people would want to see. Is can she? you know, put it all together for just one tournament. Yeah. It's like when Tiger, again, we go back to is Tiger. Is she but,
1: the equivalent, though? Like, is some, It's close. Is, is she the equivalent right now to women's tennis, what Tiger is to men's golf? Like, is, is her game slipped that much?
2: We don't know because I've seen her on some talk shows, and I don't think she's been staying in shape the way, the way she used to because she's not training the way she used to. Could she get back there? That's the biggest question. Because I could see LeBron getting to this point. I could see there being a point when LeBron wants to play with Bronny or down the road yeah. that he's not... Because he's still so effective right now at his age. But there's going, there could be a time in our future when LeBron says, I still want to play with Bronny. and it could be every, next year. Yeah, and everybody wants... But he's still... You, I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff. But it, yeah, there could be a point in the future where LeBron says, I still want to play because I want to play with my son... And people are still gonna to want to see it regardless of how good or bad he is.
1: Four one eight seven says Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather fights like exhibition fights that I literally do not know are going on. Yeah. Uh, I and, agree. And somebody the I, I, Simone Biles comes to my mind, but Simone Biles is still the best gymnast she, in the world. Yeah, she, so like she's disqualified because she's the best gymnast in the world. She didn't she, fall off at all. She may you know, she won the world championship again. She may very well yeah. you know,
2: depending on her state of mind, but she may win a gold medal again. So she's still at the top of her field.
1: You calling her are you are you accusing her of having the twisties?
2: I'm not accusing her of anything. I know what happened in the last Olympics. So short of feeling those same feelings again in terms of how she rates athletically,
1: she's still top of the world. Six one seven one Jake Paul. Um I mean he's very mediocre and he does pull numbers. Like that's not a terrible answer. A few people are saying Connor McGregor. That's that's a good call. That's a good call. I thought about
2: that when you when you mentioned Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather. That's the first thing I thought about was well everybody had to see that fight and neither one of them were in their
1: prime. No, I think that's a I think I think McGregor's a really good call. Um Okay, I'm not reading that one. Uh, sorry to say this, but Bronny's not good enough to be an NBA player right now. I completely agree, but if he declared for the NBA next year, he would be on a, on a roster. And It'd a team's going to do it. Yeah. It would probably be the Lakers.
2: And a team's going to do it. The Lakers would love to have every other team say no because they would say yes because LeBron has said he wants to play on the same team as his son. And if a team's taking Bronny in this upcoming draft, they're taking him knowing that there's a chance from a marketing and ticket sales standpoint they could get LeBron James too.
1: What other sport in the world can a mediocre athlete in their sport still spike viewership at the same level as Tiger? Connor McGregor, uh, 713-780-3776. Speaking of old guys, Justin Verlander, he's old. He's got shoulder inflammation. Uh, he said he felt good today. That's a great sign. Today was the hurdle, not yesterday. Is Justin Verlander washed? And what ERA would you accept from an old Justin Verlander. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six Killer Bees. ESPN ninety seven five ESPN ninety two five.